One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. Anxiety is something all of us have got used to living with over the last year. But considering all I want for my children is for them to be happy, when they're anxious, it can feel like I've failed at the, my most basic duty. But maybe this is the wrong attitude. After all, anxiety is not going to vanish after this pandemic. Worrying is not only a unique human characteristic, but an important one. My guest today supports children when anxiety becomes too much to cope with. Dr. Julia Newbury is a clinical psychologist who works with families struggling with extreme anxiety. Julia, thank you so much for joining me today. It's an interesting topic to talk about worry because we sort of regard it as sort of very negative, but it is normal for children to worry about something. In fact, it, I suppose it's worrying if they don't worry at all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's incredibly normal. It's the, it's the way our brains are wired. You know, it's a uniquely human thing that we can anticipate something that hasn't even happened yet and might not even happen uh, in order to prepare for it or in order to avoid it. Um, and, and similarly, we can go back in our minds and, and think about something that has happened and gosh, did we do it? Did we do a good job of that? Or did we say the wrong thing? Or did we offend someone? It's, um, you know, it, sh it shows we care a lot of the time, but also, uh, you know, it's, it's something that is unique to us as humans and just the way we are wired. So yeah, I, I would be amazed to meet someone who has never had a worry. And I suppose that wouldn't be a good thing either because worrying kind of makes us good people, makes us responsible people, makes us think about our actions. So yeah, I think we can we can sort of flip it on its head and think about, you know, often we worry about things we really care about, things that we really value. So if we didn't worry about those at all, would that say that we didn't value them or we didn't didn't care about them? And what do children typically worry about? I mean, I think, you know, like, like adults, children can worry about anything and, and everything. Um, and, and it does depend on their developmental stage, on, on their experiences, on their environment. You know, younger children or toddlers may be worried about the dark or worried about monsters or witches, um, whereas teenagers are more likely to worry about how they're seen in their friends' eyes, you know, as, as peer groups become more important to them. Um, those are the things they're going to worry about. So, but, you know, as, as with us, you can find anything <laughs> to worry about. Um, and it's sort of just how it's... Um, maybe kind of what's what's important for them in that moment maybe it's it's about uh the importance of being with someone safe and feeling safe or maybe it's being accepted in a group or maybe it's doing well at school um or maybe it's about health and i guess at the moment that's going to be a big one 
as well. And, and I guess, you know, some children are really good at articulating their worries. They're really good at saying, mummy, I'm really scared about this exam or I'm really worried about what people are going to say about me or mm. I'm worried about you and your health. Um, but there are some children who don't, who aren't very good at verbalising that. Yeah. And their anxiety may be manifested in other things. How does anxiety usually manifest itself? Is it a physical thing? Is it an emotional thing? What, yeah. what would you notice in a child who's suffering from lots of worry? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think like you say, you know, I often may get that feeling of, oh, something's just not right, or I just feel irritated, you know, or I realise I'm snapping, or I realise I'm getting irritated. And, and and I can think, oh, well, hang on, yeah, maybe I'm a bit stressed out about this, or actually that supermarket trip was really stressful because I had my mask on and I had all this, and, you know, we're able to do that. But a young mind, you know, our brains are still developing up until we're 25, so a young mind is is grappling with a lot to to figure out how how do I make sense of what's going on in my body um and absolutely worry and anxiety manifests as a physical thing as well our body goes through a biological reaction when we're stressed it's that fight or flight reaction and and that's the evolutionary reaction to keep us safe so so you know that can come out as um as tummy aches, as um, headaches, you know, kind of tension. We, we might talk about tension headaches, but um, tummy aches can, can happen or pain in different parts of the body. Um, but, but also, you know, like I was saying, I might get irritated or more irritable when I'm anxious. You know, similarly for kids, it might come out in their behavior. They might seem um, kind of, I guess, more emotional, you know, that there, there may be some tantrums or... or kind of anger outbursts and and just not wanting to go to sleep I find when I worry I can't sleep very well is that something that also yeah. children experience yeah absolutely and when, and when we go to bed that's kind of when we don't have the same distractions that might take our mind off things and all those things can come to the fore a bit more so yeah sleeplessness or, or sort of tricky going to bed or waking up in the night being a bit more clingy um you know sometimes you know, with with some anxiety, it might be regressing and bedwetting or, or something like that or, or not eating or not wanting to go to school. Um, so, yeah, a plethora of ways that it, it can come out without a kid actually saying, hey, look, this is something I'm really worried about. Yeah, I remember I um I had um I was quite ill a few years back. I had a, a, a stillbirth and I was in intensive care after a placental abruption, and it was really distressing for my children to see me in such a state. And I remember Ludo, my eldest, who was I think five at the time. When I came home, he kept on saying, "I feel sick. I feel sick." And for about a week, I think my husband and I were like he's coming down with something there's a tummy bug we thought that maybe he was car sick yeah and then I remember I twigged I was like this is anxiety and he felt that sort of anxiety that I absolutely recognize in the pit of his stomach and I sat down and actually I was very lucky because I had um, a, a grief counselor who I was talking to a lot and she said you need to sit down and, and talk to him and it was a really useful um, I mean, it was a really important thing for us to do at the time, but also, you know, it allowed him to, um, you know, acknowledge that this feeling of, of sickness was the worry. And, you know, but then we sat down and we had proper mm. chats about what he was worrying about. And actually what he was worrying about was that I was going to get sick again, which I wasn't. Um, and, and we could have this conversation and I could reassure him. And actually then miraculously that sort of tummy ache went away and it was pure worry. But he, of course, didn't recognize it. And why would you age five? Absolutely. And I mean, we, you know, sometimes we don't 
now you know or like in adulthood and and I think it is you know that I mean there's lots of research on the gut brain interaction and the gut has been seen as the second brain because it has millions of neurons you know the same same cells that we have in our brain are in our stomach and you know so there's a there's a really fascinating interaction with how our our stomach or our gut in particular responds to stress and and anxiety um and so often it will come out uh in in children's tummy tummies i had i mean one one of the pediatricians at work talks about you know if, if if your child has a tummy ache and they point you know they can point this is where it is if it's in the middle of their tummy um it it often means it's it's kind of anxiety related and not in a pathological way just in a you know children don't have the coping strategies that the adults do they're not going to kind of notice they're feeling really stressed and go for a run or go for a drink with their friends you know they're they're just kind of left with it a bit um so I think it can be helpful and and I guess you know we shouldn't be surprised that our children worry I mean I feel that as society we worry probably more today than we ever have yeah I I I run antenatal classes and supporting women in their pregnancies there is a lot of extreme anxiety just around a sort of healthy pregnancy and Mm. I think it's very much been exacerbated by the pandemic but there is a lot of worry going on and and presumably if parents are worrying the children are gonna sense that and they're going to potentially be worrying as well yeah I mean I think this this sense of you know if if we think about evolutionarily it's it's helpful to compare ourselves to our peers we want to be part of a group because that's what protects us right if we're if we're out on a limb if we're ostracized from a group we're going to get attacked by the neighborhood saber-toothed tiger and so so it's it's part of our DNA to, to kind of need to be part of a group and, and compare ourselves and kind of figure out hierarchy and stuff. So so worry can often come from a place of have I offended someone or am I am I doing this right? But you know, now the world has opened up. So our little pack is the whole world because we can access everything online and we can compare ourselves to everything online so I think I think there's an element of that that plays into it um but certainly with the pandemic you know on the one hand it can normalize anxiety you know everyone is feeling anxious to some degree or other um in this pandemic and that you know there's a common humanity about you know yes we're all in this together and we can all feel this um but also it's going to you know impact some people more than others or that health implications are are bigger for some people than others because like I talked about in my introduction I've definitely felt guilty when my children have worried but then you know I guess worry is really normal it's not that I have failed as a parent it's not like I failed to provide them a kind of carefree upbringing um, which I I think you know a lot of people feel that they ought to be providing for their children but presumably some worry is not such a bad thing because we're teaching them how to deal with it and how to process worries and I guess and to sort them into I need to get over this and not worry about it or I need to do something about it yeah yeah absolutely I mean wouldn't it be nice if we could just create this this wonderful world for our kids where they're always carefree and happy and don't have a care in the world but but you know unfortunately life's not like that and then they you know what if we did provide that and then we got to add they got to adulthood and they were you know confronted with whatever obstacle it could be tiny they would not know how on earth to deal with that so you know I think we would do a disservice to our kids if we protected them completely from from all of that as well it it is about how 
how to help build the resilience and and anxiety is is you know can be thought of as as worrying about something that will happen and not believing that you have the resources to manage that difficulty so if we protected them from all the the worries we'd also not been building up their resources to to deal with them so i guess yeah it's good for them to experience a certain amount of worry i mean obviously we don't want them to worry that their life is going to be end you know that kind of catastrophic worry that some of us experience but presumably actually a little bit of worry that enables them to understand how to live with it or how to understand it or how to potentially gain from it is really important yeah and and i think you know like you said just incredibly normal and if we if we can respond to it in a kind of this is really normal gosh yeah I have I sometimes worry about this too I know my daughter was kind of aghast at the thought that I might sometimes have worries or or not think I'd I'd done the right thing in a situation um but you know that that that's normal and that's and that's okay and if we can maybe be curious about it and kind of look at it you know what does you know what is this about what can we what can we do about this or what can we learn from this or um you know can we sit with this you know those those worries that don't have an answer that you can't problem solve your way out of um can we sit with that slightly uncomfortable feeling uh and and still do the things that are important to us and still carry on with 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 what we want to do i mean so obviously this is really important to talk about and for us to give anxiety a name so that when children experience it they can say i'm really worried but also give them like permission to be worried and and to talk about sort of anxiety at what stage should we introduce the kind of concept of worrying and the fact the idea that it is really normal to our children you know, you could do that from day one. <laughs> you could, you could, you know, not in a sort of <laughs> let's talk about anxiety with a baby. But you know, we talk about um, mind-minded parenting and 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 mentalizing with 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 children, which which helps with secure attachments. And the idea is that you know you you understand that your child has thoughts and feelings of their own, that they are an individual with. Um, where their behavior means something it's it it comes from somewhere and and as a parent we can try and make sense of that for them so you know I I mean I kind of joke about day one but from day one you can be trying to interpret your child's behavior like oh you're you know when they're crying you can say oh you know maybe you really don't like it when I do that or maybe you're worried that when I leave that I'm not going to come back but you know so you you can kind of sow those seeds as it were um and and you know again sort of with with older kids you can talk about it in a in a relatively innocuous way like it doesn't have to be a big bad thing that you're talking about and i think if you can kind of drop seeds like that then it does mean anxiety isn't this big demon that we all have to try and escape it's actually just part of part of life and I guess you know you can model talking about it yourself I mean as a family I often talk to my children like what's your biggest worries at the moment I think it's quite a nice way to sort of sort through your thoughts because sometimes those worries are big and bad and scary and sometimes and when you verbalize them I think they sometimes feel less big and bad and scary but then when you remember what you were worrying about a year ago or six months ago you think oh I didn't need to worry about that or I got through that I managed that in the right way and that's quite a sort of empowering um thing to be you know thinking about and even talking I guess about like the stupidest things that you've worried about yeah yeah absolutely and kind of seeing you know if 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 you can identify there's a worry that they're 
that I've had in the past and it didn't stop me from doing what I wanted to do. That's a, that's an incredible skill to to harness and to to build on. That yes, that worry was there, but I still went ahead and did something. And maybe it didn't turn out as brilliantly as I wanted it to or maybe it did come true, but I'm still here and I can still talk about it as happening in the past. Um, I think that's a huge skill we could give our kids. Sometimes also confronting like the absolute, like the worst thing that could happen, I find quite a useful thing. Like yeah, just thinking, absolutely. okay, let's let's dissect your worry. And, and if the worst came to the worst and the worst thing happened, what would that look like? And would you be able to cope with it? Because very often I think with children, they're worrying, you know, what if I don't pass the exam? Well, well then, you know, you we go to a different school. Like it's really not the end of the world. It might not be what you were planning or your first choice, but you still get education, you know, like yeah. it's really not the end of the world. And sometimes confronting the worst case scenario, you realize actually it is not such a big worry, even though it might seem it to you at yeah, the time. Absolutely. And that's where the kind of, um, you know, that's where worry can be helpful if you can identify what is, what is it and can I problem solve this or can I kind of uh, consider what the outcomes could be and how I would deal with those different outcomes. It can prepare you. Where, where worry becomes more of a problem is it becomes this stuck record and it's, it's not helping you to problem solve. It just feels like a, a kind of ball of dread. But, um, but absolutely naming it um, is the first, um, the first step. Um, and, and there's some lovely research which has shown that uh, if we can name our feelings, it it moves, you know, the activation in our brain moves from our amygdala, which is our primitive fight or flight survival part of our brain, uh, to the, the front of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, which can process emotions and which can plan and organize and um, do sort of higher up thinking. Um, and that part of the brain is, is still developing up until like I've said up until we're 25 so it it takes some time but if we can help kids to do that just to to name what is this uncomfortable feeling I have oh that's anxiety or oh I'm worrying about x y and z that will be really useful for them they say you know problem shared is a problem solved and I absolutely see that I find whenever I've got something I'm worried about I'll talk to someone someone who can't necessarily fix what I'm talking about someone who might not be involved in what the problem is at all and simply the process of sharing the problem and kind of facing up to it and almost giving it my full attention mm -hmm. it just makes it suddenly seem much less of a problem whereas if a kind of problem is sort of hovering in the background it sort of looms yeah. bigger and more sinister than it it, it might otherwise be. Yeah. But I can see, you know, when you talk about that, you know, verbalizing your emotion, uh, giving it a name and it, you know, migrating from the fight or flight part of mm -hmm. the brain to the let's order it and sort it out part of the brain. I, I totally recognize that. Yeah. So I've always wondered why the simple act of kind of talking about a worry will often make it seem like less of a worry. Yeah, absolutely. And and with kids, you know, it's so it's so natural to to worry about the worry, like, oh, there's this horrible worry here and, and I don't want to look at it. I mean, we, you know, we all do that. Oh, there's this anxiety here and I don't want to look at it and I'm going to try and push it away. And that's often where we come into difficulties. It's the kind of avoiding this normal, natural human emotion. Uh, and, and if, you know, and if with, with a parent or, or, or another adult, we can say, come on, we, let's look at this. And, you know, maybe it's not as scary as we think it is. Maybe it is. Like, maybe it's a really scary worry. Um, but, 
but we can look at this together and we can give it a name and and sometimes in 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 my work with with children we will give it a name like it could be anxiety but it could be um bob the the anxiety monster or, or whatever so that that you can kind of say oh oh bob's shown up again here like what's he got to say because it's not who they are it's just an emotion that is popping up at that time or part of what their mind is saying at that time i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There is, um, I mean, obviously one of the big worries that I think a lot of children and sort of teenagers struggle with now is is kind of the worry about the world and the environment and the kind of climate catastrophe that is heading our way and obviously there are some sort of worries that as a parent you can sort of abate them you know if your child says oh I'm really worried about you know going off to my summer camp what if I miss you you can say listen worst case scenario call me I'll come and get you you know it's fine but when it comes to <laughs> climate change we can't say it's fine. We can't say, you know, and I've spoken to parents who say, my children literally can't sleep because they're so worried about it. They're imagining kind of rising sea levels and kind of infernos and wildfires. And how do you deal with that kind of worry where it's a really legitimate worry and no one really knows the answer? And it's, it's a sort of, you know, problem on a massive scale. How do you how do you talk to the, your children about that? I mean, I think first, you know, giving the space and validating it. And, and, and like, yeah, yeah, I'm worried about these things too. And this feels really scary. And, lab, you know, naming it. What, what are all those things that you're worried about? What are you worried will happen? Um, and kind of acknowledging, you know, like, like I was saying at, at the start, you know, our, our mind is, has this amazing ability to project into the future and to create a scenario in the future, which we don't know whether it will happen or not. Um, and figuring out, are, is there something we can do here? You know, are there changes that you want to make about the way we work, the way we deal with um you know, what we eat or how much plastic we use or how we get rid of things or how we recycle. Can we make some changes here? Because giving a sense of control or or feeling like, you you know, you are doing something is is empowering in itself. And, and then acknowledging that doesn't get rid of that worry. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't say this is never going to happen and we will just ignore it. That worry stays there. But can we can we learn to sit with that worry? We can do what we can. We can 
acknowledge that this worry is here, but we can carry on with the things that are really important to us. Um, and, you know, there are different ways of, of managing difficult sleeping and kind of being able to relax the mind, relax the body or distract the mind um, if, you know, in that moment, if it's becoming really difficult. But it is it is partly about acknowledge it, name it, problem solve where you can and then m return, you know, move your attention onto something else or, or remember what, what other things are important to you. And... I mean, presumably when you're talking, I mean, this is going to be children who are sort of 12 to 18. Mm. You know, I've spoken to parents who said, right, that's enough. You're not watching any more Greta Thunberg on YouTube. Um, is that a good thing to do? Or are you basically making the spectre, whatever they're scared of, kind of almost more sinister by not allowing them to, to find out more about it? Yeah, I mean, I think it would be a, dis a discussion, I guess. It, you know, it's a case by case basis but I think a, a discussion about well, well listen it's it's amazing you're so engaged in this and that you want to do something and that you want to uh, make changes and um, and let's use that you know use that what what to, to sort of drive you and and this is something clearly that's important to you um, but are there things that make it worse you know does does going on YouTube and watching these things, is that making it worse or is that giving you more information? But I guess, you know, doing kind of that, uh, being a bit of a curious scientist and figuring out what makes this work worse, what makes this better, what's, what makes this manageable um, is kind of something that, that you could do together rather than, you know, if you're, you're kind of shutting it down without a conversation, then, then maybe it exacerbates it on one side. Mm. And I suppose, too, I mean, certainly what I found during this pandemic, you know, I find a lot of anxiety has been um, exacerbated by the media yeah. because ultimately media outlets are there to get you to read as many papers or to watch as many hours of the TV. So these mm -hmm. news channels, you know, their primary objective is not to give you, you know, credible news. Their primary objective is to, to get you as addicted to it as possible. So they're going <laughs> to, yeah. you naturally make it as dramatic as possible. I'm not saying that they're lying and I'm not saying that, you know, we aren't living through a crisis, but at the same time, it's always going to sound more dramatic. So I guess, you know, also having that conversation, just understanding your source and, you know, what yeah. is their objective and, and is it actually... Uh, you know, do they want to sell YouTube advertising, in which case the more dramatic video is going to get more views? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, if we can teach our kids to be savvy about what's out there on the news as well, that's going to be a, a real strength, um, a real tool for them. So to be able to have a conversation of what is the impact of this for you and or how do you interpret this or, or what does this mean for you? going forward um and is this a a useful place to find your information or not i, I think you know all of that's a really interesting com you know it would be really interesting conversations to have to have with kids and i suppose you know too the environment is a really good example of when worry is such a good thing to have because if no one was worrying about the environment we'd all still not be thinking about it and be you know not reducing our carbon emissions so i Absolutely. guess it's really an example of healthy worry and and why actually worrying is such an important part you know if humans didn't worry we probably wouldn't you know be alive anymore <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean this is it it's 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 the part of our our 
brain that is well our brain's job is there to protect us it's there to keep us alive and it does that by um you know one way is by worrying and by um anxiety and keeping us keeping us protected or or figuring out how we protect ourselves in the future and if we do have a really anxious child, I mean, obviously talking about it and naming their worries is, is probably one of the most important things to do. Um, are there any other sort of techniques that work? I mean, does how does distraction work? I found in my life, if I'm worrying about something, often the peak worrying is when I'm trying to go to sleep. Yeah. You know, when suddenly those sort of ogres in my mind become just so much bigger. And I find that listening to something a little mm-hmm. bit boring mm-hmm. um, is brilliant because I'll be focusing on what I'm listening to and then I'll go to sleep does that is that a good thing to to do with children or are you just failing to acknowledge the problem no absolutely I mean I think you know I think if you can can give a space where you can name it and you can say yes this is this is here and this is what's going on but you know and, and figure out can we problem solve this if we can't then we have to kind of move our attention onto something else so so distraction is is by no means a bad thing if it doesn't take away from the fact that you're acknowledging there's a worry there. You know, if, if it means that you're saying, this doesn't exist, I'm not looking at this, let's sweep it under the carpet, then it can be unhealthy. But if you're saying, you know what, yeah, this is, this is on my mind, I can't do anything about it right now, I need to focus my attention onto something else, then, then that's a really helpful way to, to manage it. So I guess it's always hand in hand with a child going, I'm listening to you, I'm hearing you, and I, I get why you're worried. Because I guess there's nothing more alarming than a, parent, a child saying, I'm really worried about this, and the parent is not listening, going, oh, that's it's fine, you don't need to worry about that. And they're like screaming from within going, I'm freaking out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so, it's, you know, and such a natural response often is don't worry. You know, if especially if it's a really innocuous or seems like an innocuous worry, like don't worry. And sometimes that's containing. Sometimes that gives the message. I've got this. Like, I've got your back. I'm here with you. You don't have anything to worry about. Um, We're in this together. But sometimes that's no, you haven't heard. I'm really worried about this. And you're just you're just dismissing it. Um, So I think to be able to be a bit curious and, and, you know, to not be scared of their worry or to not just immediately want to get rid of it, to be able to be curious and say, oh, you know, what, what's this about? And um, what are you worried will happen? And, and kind of modeling that actually it's okay to have this worry because we can talk about it and it doesn't scare me by talking about it. And, and maybe it's really frustrating that I can't fix it for you, but, but we can hold it together. And I think that's something that's really important to be able to say, I'm, you know, anxiety or worry is not the enemy and it's not something that we have to constantly be avoiding. Um, yes, we all try to avoid having really difficult feelings, but they are inevitable. And if we can learn to sit with them, then it's going to make for much healthier, resilient people in the future and I think worrying can be really isolating you can often feel 
like you're a tiny voice, no one's listening to you, and you're very alone in, in this concern that you have. And obviously we talked about sort of maybe sharing your worries and going, oh gosh, do you know what I worry about is this? And, and then sometimes parent, children can go, oh well, yeah, people clearly worry about ridiculous things. Um, or you can sort of tell them stories of how you worried about silly things that you really didn't need to worry about. But one thing you mentioned was, you know, even sort of books that might, might help, you know, whether it is stories acknowledging that other children worry, you know, almost getting them to acknowledge the subject of of kind of anxiety but make it into a story yeah so it's sort of sneaking up up to them yeah absolutely I think books are a beautiful way of of introducing these ideas and normalizing them um and the fact that there are books out there means that this is not a thing that is just about you um and and I and I think you know and and you know they're they're books for for different ages that talk about um, talk about worry, um, and we've talked about the the worries book um, by Gion Shebani, which which is a really nice way of of normalising it. There's there's a kid here with with lots of worries, and he's tried to push them away, and he's tried to kind of get rid of them, and that doesn't happen. Um, and so it's sort of figuring out how you how you learn to be with your worries and and through that through that kind of exploration you learn that other people might also have worries and this isn't something that is so niche or or kind of unique to you but but actually a lot of people hold their worries and 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 might mask them and and kind of show them in in different ways sort of thinking about a a bully who seems to be all powerful all aggressive may actually be hiding a lot of insecurities or a lot of worries um so i think books are a really nice way because it's not pathologic uh, sort of pathologizing it it's it's kind of let's read this book and then and then you can refer to it in the in the future or um come back to it and talk about oh, was it a bit like the worries here do you ever feel like that or when it comes up in conversation, um, you can you can kind of refer to it in a in a light way. I think it's sort of holding, being able to hold it lightly is is the key, rather than this is this big thing that I have to put this big effort to talking about. I know I definitely find one of the times I have kind of the most productive conversations with my children is you know last thing at night when we're reading a story. And they're relaxed and also they're procrastinating because they do not want to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. Like, Mommy, can I tell you one more thing? And having sort of refused to engage with me all day, they're like, oh, no, 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 I've got something very, very important to tell you. But actually sort of harnessing that if you do want to talk to them yeah. and sort of reading something about something that you'd like to talk about is actually a really good way of kind of quite stealthily yeah. <laughs> navigating the conversation onto something that you think they might need to talk about but maybe don't want to talk about and presenting it as a sort of work of fiction. And, yeah. Um, you know, how do you think they might have been feeling at this stage? And wasn't wasn't it great that she still managed to do this when this happened? And yeah, um, yeah, yeah, they're often like like the sort of sugar that uh, gets medicines into children. I find stories are a really good way to start talking about things that are really important to talk about, but often quite difficult to have the conversations about. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and someone else has put into words um in a in a very articulate way what what might be going on for a kid and um you know, I think I think that can happen with with worries. I think that can be really useful when talking about bereavement and loss that that there's 
there's been another, you know, you don't have to find the words to kind of bring this up into conversation. It's just there for you. And, and, and maybe it allows you to, to uh, elaborate on that. Maybe not then and there, but maybe, maybe later on. Or again, like, like we've said, sort of being able to relate to your own experiences. Um, I, I read my daughter the, the worries book and, and I could say, oh, you know, I sometimes have that fail um, worry you know I sometimes worry about failing and her mouth was down to the floor <laughs> like how could this possibly happen um, but you know I think debunking that myth that we've got this we've got this covered we've got this sorted we're working it out too you all though quite like the the idea that there's one person in the world that thinks I'm perfect <laughs> yeah that's children. true that, that. <laughs> actually they don't think Let's I'm perfect anymore as but... long as we can <laughs> promote Absolutely. that yeah I have it all sorted <laughs> if you I mean obviously as parents it's really difficult to know that our children will worry and there's a certain amount of worry that's natural and good and totally fine when it when you sort of feel that it slipped over into the sort of problematic zone um at what point um do you do you start where would where would you go would you talk to the school if you are concerned about the amount of anxiety that your child is experiencing where would you go yeah yeah I think school's a really good starting point um teachers know know the kids well and and a, and a lot of schools will have provision at school that can help support kids you know again this isn't a unique um situation that there are lots of kids who experience anxiety and worry and I think particularly now schools are much more on it in terms of appreciating that the situation at the moment with the pandemic is incredibly anxiety provoking and coming back to school is going to be anxiety provoking so I think there's there's much more provision available at school um, but they might also be able to say yes, this is something that we can support within school or actually maybe this is something that, that requires a bit more support and, and then it might be a case of speaking to your GP to find out about the services local to you um, and how to access them. Perfect. Well, um, Julia, thank you so much. It's been such an interesting chat. Um, the Worries by Gion Shibani is available in All Goods Workshop. This is something, a project that you've kind of collaborated on as well. So it's not just a sort of lovely story. It's also, it's got professional input in terms of how children experience worry. Gion, Gion wrote this prior to me being involved but um but I think uh you know she's she's done a lot of research around um the the science of worry and the the issues around worry um and spoke to me since in terms of uh, building up her her blog posts around it perfect well thank you so much um and thank you all for downloading another episode of the parenthood you can subscribe rate and review wherever you've got this podcast you can also follow me on instagram i'm at marina.fogel but in the meantime from julia and me thanks for listening and goodbye hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.